0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Millionaire Marriage. This is Jeremy Gilliam with Taylor Kovar.
1: What's up everybody, good morning.
0: Or afternoon.
1: Or whenever you're listening to this. It could be evening too. It really could be. It's morning here.
0: Yeah, but wherever you are, welcome. Welcome, welcome 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 to the club. So today we're going to talk about marriage money killing mistakes. Money marriage killing mistakes? Money marriage million. How to
1: kill your marriage with money?
0: How to kill your marriage with money mistakes. Oh, there it is. I think we'll let's go with that title. Let's go with that one. It's Sounds perfect. Good. Awesome. So, Taylor, why don't you kick us off with the first thing that is a. Marriage killing money mistake.
1: Yeah, so we obviously, this is the Millionaire Marriage Podcast, right? We call it that because I work with a lot of people that, uh, well, my financial firm that are millionaires. Jeremy, obviously, is a marriage family therapist and works with marriages, and then we merge those together in our practice. And one thing that we see over and over again, and this is actually one thing that Jeremy teaches at the Bible College, Texas Bible College, by the way, is debt, right? How debt can kill your marriage. Absolutely. So I know that probably most everybody listening to our podcast is anti-debt, probably based upon the demographics and everything else. We're just going to throw a wild guess out there. You're anti-debt as Jeremy is. That's right. I am not (laughs) anti-debt.
0: We'll pray for you.
1: Thank you. But right, just like us, Jeremy and I are co-hosts on a literal money and marriage podcast. And we obviously disagree sometimes when it comes to debt. So it's going to happen in your marriage, right? How debt can kill your marriage. And so one, What we see a lot of is stupid old debt. Sure. So, pre-married. If you were married before, I don't know, or later in life, you probably have some old stupid debts. Whether it's credit cards, where you were trying to impress an old relationship, or if that was maybe a school debt, or you went to school for a certain topic or degree, and you're not using it. I have friends that have some really stupid degrees. And I'm not going to call out those stupid degrees, because...
0: Underwater basket weaving. Yes. Left-handed puppetry. Exactly. Things like that. Yeah,
1: some really weird... like. Russian, like you have a master's in, in Russian and you live in Deep East, Texas. Like I just don't I don't see a
0: big need you're for not, that. Yeah, it's not gonna make you a bunch of money. You're
1: probably not using it. I think that <laughs> I think some of these degrees are like they're perpetual for the education system. Like you can't use it in real life unless you become a PhD to, to, to teach other, it. Right? To teach other people, right? Just to, to have a
0: worthless degree.
1: To have a worthless degree. Yeah. Exactly. So So mm-hmm. if you
0: have a degree in Russian, cool, but you're probably not making money with it. I was trying to figure out how to say like
1: something in Russian. I I have nothing. I have have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I have a friend that used to work in Russia, which was really cool, really cool stories. But yeah, I can't say anything in Russian. So, (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. So we see people bringing in stupid debt, dumb debt, debt that really you as you as a couple didn't get into together. And that's a really, it's a big concern. It can cause a lot of fights where, Hey, well, we're having to pay $400 a month for something we don't even use. I didn't even have to be part of, but yet my salary has to go to it.
0: ouch so i want to tag in with this so definitely debt can absolutely it can wreck your marriage and i'll just be a little vulnerable here at the very beginning so i found this out several years ago so my parents i didn't know this i thought they got divorced because of infidelity that wasn't the case at all really they got divorced because of debt because of money fights wow when i was you know, less, I think I was under one. And so I'm going, wow, that really can absolutely destroy stuff. But anyways, kind of going back to what you were saying, though, is the idea that this is your debt and this is his debt, her debt, their debt. Really, it's actually y'all's debt at this point. And I think how debt can, whether you're for appropriate debt or You're, you know, completely anti-debt. Once you're married, you're married. Once you're together, you're together. It becomes the two of you's debt. It's no longer, well, this is his debt from college. No, this is our debt now. And I think the challenge that marriages run into is when they create, it's almost like we are retreating into tribes again. I'm not going to use my salary to pay for his debt. Hold on a second. If you guys are going to win with money, if you guys are going to be on the same page together, that means you have to be on the same page together. That means you have to be willing to accept the better or for worse. So the challenge, though, and I'm sure you've seen this, Taylor, the challenge is when it's undisclosed debt prior to marriage. Ooh, meaning, yeah. meaning that I had this debt and we never talked about it. I have this debt. We never discussed it or I hit it and there, I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't want to get too far ahead. Pump the brakes. Yeah. I need to pump (laughs) the brakes, but those are where big challenges come in. So a a reframe is helpful often in these instances where people are saying, well, he had this debt from college for a, you know, a useless degree in underwater basket weaving. That's not making us any money. I'm not going to pay for that. So I think the challenge is there's far too much data on if you guys will work together, you'll be far more successful than if you work separately at tackling your future, at building your legacy, which we have an episode on, at really winning with money. So if you keep this tribal mentality, even in your marriage of this is your debt, I'm not paying for it. Or I'm not going to sacrifice my hard-earned income. Probably sounds like you have separate bank accounts too. So you probably we have an episode on that too. You probably should check that one out too. But yeah, the idea that debt can really harm marriages is really true. Especially debt that's unchecked. I know you use debt as a tool. I shun debt like it's the plague. But if it's really dumb debt, if it's debt that becomes unmanageable to where you can't sleep at night, yeah, you probably really not probably. You really need to get control over things. Yeah, and tackle it together.
1: Yeah, together. I, you know, you were saying as I can go. You know, you have, and the data is there to show that if you work on it together, you're going to be much more happier. So I tell people all the time, like, well, statistically, statistically, your marriage is doomed. And I'm not doomed, but it's like much <laughs> worse off if you're like, this is mine and that's yours. Yeah. So you can say you're not going to be a statistic, but like statistically over dozens, if not hundreds of different surveys and research by these PhDs and people that literally just get paid to research this stuff. Statistically, you're looking worse than the couples that work on this together. So we, you know, I use the whole team analogy all the time. And so I'm big on, Hey, if I join this team, right. If you're a, if you're a major league first baseman and the middle of season, you get traded to another team guess what? Your record is now their record. Yep. That's just it. You don't say, oh, well, John, the first baseman has a, you know, 24 and 36 record. No, you have whatever the Astros have. Like you are that team. Now that's your record. And it's up to you to help make it a winning record. Yeah. And so you're on the same team, whatever debt was brought into it. Hopefully it was disclosed. Hopefully if you are pre-married and you're listening to this, disclose any of that to your partner, disclose it. But if you're married, Hey, Work on that debt together. It's so much better when you're able to accomplish things together as a team.
0: Tackle it together.
1: Yes. All right. That leads to our number two money-killing marriage mistake. How to kill your marriage with money mistake. Yeah, 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 we'll figure
0: this out (laughs) by the end of this
1: episode. I promise you we're going to have an awesome time. We'll
0: be consistent. We
1: will. Probably. Okay. Your second one is not knowing your money personality. This is obviously, if you've listened to this episode or listened to us for a while, this is a quick plug for the money couple, but legitimately it's out there. So, um knowing your you and your spouse's money personality there's five of them that that we teach and so knowing what they are knowing if you are a spender or if they're a risk taker or if they are a security seeker or a flyer for us is a really vital thing it's what we do every if you come to our covar wealth management and you want to join us as a client you are required to take this assessment you're required before we take you on as a client for us to know your money personality, because it's going to help us create a better financial plan for you. Um, it's going to help us know: Hey, is this guy going to go off the deep end one day and like just blow all their money over here, or is this one uh, going to save so much that they're reusing toilet paper in order? Yeah, people do this. People oh, reuse God. toilet paper, or don't it's know.
0: never that bad. <laughs>
1: man some people believe it is right and when i say reuse toilet paper, not even buying toilet paper they're just using like a washcloth yeah. Yeah, let's not go down that road yeah. okay it is morning here and i don't want to go yeah, down that road yeah. this morning but knowing your money and personality you and your spouse jeremy and i have created a trailer resources for this of helping couples better communicate about money once they know how the other person operates yeah. and we've said this before about five love languages and other things this is not some golden standard it's not an excuse book right it's not an excuse to say well i'm a flyer you know this is how i am like yeah, you're also an adult, right? Or should be, should be, should be, should be, right?
0: Yeah. I think first, obviously putting a plug in for the money couple and the money personality book, which you should buy if you haven't already, I think it just gives you another tool because the idea behind this being a money killing mistake, a marriage, mon, a m- money, marriage, killing mistake, <laughs> we'll get it right, is it's just not understanding your spouse, not understanding their mindset and their frame, their thought process, their framework. And that can really be detrimental in trying to win together with money. So for instance, it's interesting. So when you take the money personality test, you have a primary and then you have the secondary, which is what you do in stress situations. And so really understanding when you're in a tough situation, what is my actual normal response when it comes to money and then also what is my spouse's normal response because you may be a you may be a spender risk taker that's me (laughs) so your just natural inclination is to take risks and spend money and then when you get into stressful situations your spouse may not be they may be a they may be a saver they may really want to hold on to everything that they have and you're going well you know what Ah, now 100 grand here, 10 grand here. Hey, let's try this idea. And your spouse is going, hold on a second. Things are not okay. They're trying to grab a hold of everything they have. And that can cause some really some tension and some money fights, which are notoriously bad in marriages. Oh, yeah. Like notoriously bad. And so I think just being cognizant of where your spouse is so invaluable. I think if people would really stop, truly stop, and put themselves in their spouse's shoes in their position and say, how is my spouse receiving this? Because this feels normal. It feels natural to me. It's how I relate with money, but that may not be how my spouse relates with money. But if you were to truly stop and look at the world through their shoes, it may make a difference. Look at the world through their shoes. Look at the world through (laughs) through their eyes. It may make a difference in how, You respond to them, or even how you behave with money, knowing that this is probably going to be challenging for my spouse. How can I mitigate some of the challenges for them?
1: Yeah. And I mean, This is how Megan and I came across the five money personalities. It's how we became the money couple, and we were going through this, and I was working through how she thought about money and how I thought about money. And I got online and started trying to figure out like there's has to be something psychological here. And we came across this couple that were the previous money couple. They had built out these five money personalities with a like a Stanford statistician, and they had interviewed hundreds and not hundreds of thousands of different couples through their financial practice and charity, and they had came up with this and these five money personalities. But like for us, for Megan and I, I'm very much a spender risk taker. Like I don't mind. Like we have it there. Let's put it to work. And sometimes that works gonna work out great and other times it's not. And she's very much a saver so security seeker. She wants to see those dollars in the account at all the time. And so we've come to this realization that like, hey, sometimes those risks don't work out. Yeah. Like sometimes it's gonna cause some issues. Sometimes we're gonna lose money. And we've had this conversation even kind of here recently. And she was like You know, I know that if it was up to me, you'd still be working at the plywood mill, making 15 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour, whatever it is. And you'd have this set job from seven to three and you'd come home and not worry about, you know, the job or anything else. She's like, I also know that because we've taken some of these risks and I've, you know, um, we've worked together on this, that we're much further ahead financially and in life than we would have been otherwise. And so we've been able to really work together because we know our money personalities and I know how she operates, she knows how I operate. And sometimes I'll come in with a business idea and she like, well, hang on.
0: <laughs>
1: hang on. Like you just walked in the door. The kids are crazy. I'm trying to get dinner going. And it's like, okay, hang on. You're right. You're right. I'll wait till after dinner till everything's calmed down. The house is clean. We have a little quiet time and I'll have a notes So here's why I think it's a good idea, whatever else. And so it's really know, know your money personality and work together. So that's my little plug for The Money the money Couple and The Five Money Personalities. If you don't know it, go to 5 money or The Money Couple, and you'll see all kind of great stuff and a quick little assessment you can take. Number three, breadwinner. Who Her-
0: brings home the bacon?
1: Everybody loves this word. Yeah. Don't you just love it when somebody says, I'm the breadwinner of our family? That's me hitting the table, right? (laughs) That's me hitting the table. I'm the breadwinner around here. You're going to do as I say. I wear the pants in this home. Oh, man. This is a good one. That's nauseating. I hate it with a passion. So, this can be anything from where one partner has a job and the other doesn't, right? Maybe that other partner wants a job and can't find a job. Maybe it's one partner has a job and the other one doesn't want a job and doesn't like in our relationship, I'm the one that quote unquote is the, you're bread the breadwinner. Oh <laughs> man, ouch. <laughs> Meg, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. But no, like I bring home the bacon and she yeah. takes care of the kids. And she in cooks the, house the bacon. <laughs> she cooks it right. Um and so she, like we have our different roles. Yeah. But it's never been a this is my money. Yeah. Right. This is my money. Yep. I make the money. I make the rules. He who has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. No. If you want to kill your marriage and you want your spouse to despise you, yeah. That pull that line when you get home today. Hey, baby, I've been thinking, you know, I make more than you. So here's what I think should happen. We're going to turn our bedroom into a game room. And this is what we're going to do. Just let me know how that works out for you.
0: It's not fun. It's not going to. It's
1: not going to work out good. So, Jeremy, from a therapist standpoint, right, what's this look like? I know this can go across all kind of different things of I'm the man, you're the woman, or I'm older and you're younger and I'm whatever. But uh, we see this in money. What does that look like from a clinical standpoint?
0: Yeah, so it it really is dealing with power and hierarchies. The challenge with what happens as a result of this type of behavior is the power is going to be balanced. So if you want to come in and try to dictate, oh, this is my money. This is, I'm the breadwinner. And tr- trust me when I tell you the power is going to be balanced. So yeah, that may be the case, but guess who's going to stop having sex? Because No one wants to have sex with their master. Ouch. Yeah. Or guess who all of a sudden is, is going to start getting sick. And you're going to have to start paying the bill for that. I mean, there's going to be a power balance that's going to happen. And so think if you're listening to this episode and you're finding yourself in this situation, there needs to be some serious open conversation, some extreme self-reflection. You may need to get in touch with a mentor, especially if your spouse truly has this mentality that, well, I make all the money. And so really what I say goes because I make the money. And let me just stop and say, if you're a stay-at-home spouse, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a lesser calling. That's not like a you know a lesser job. What you're doing is just as valuable as, and important if you're a stay-at-home parent. And I said it the way I said it on purpose. I didn't say a stay-at-home wife. Because there are instances where it makes more sense for the husband to stay home with the kids. And I remember I had a conversation about this with some people. And they go well. What about Scripture? What does Scripture say? Yeah, that's a good question. So we know that Scripture gives us some proscriptions, and then also gives us some principles. The principle is more in line with making sure your house is taken care of. I don't think Jesus really cares. Well, who's going to go make? Who's going to go and stay at home? Who's going to go make more money? Talk it over together. And figure out a plan that works for your family. Figure out something that is going to work for the two of you. So we have some friends that she is extremely, extremely successful. Makes a ton of money. And as a result, he stays home. He makes sure he stays home with the kids. Makes sure, make He makes sure they're taken care of. And people go, well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Isn't the man supposed to make the money? I don't know. I guess when you're making $400,000 a year, you can tell me that. You can tell me who needs to make more money at this point. So you see what I'm saying? And so, but the idea that I'm the breadwinner, so this is my money. Trust me when I tell you that that power balance is going to, that power is going to become balanced again. And it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. So have these conversations. Again, if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. If you need to sit down and have open, honest conversations, have open, honest conversations, but get the process started so that you don't wake up in 10 years and you're not sleeping next to your spouse. You're sleeping next to your master. Ooh. That's not a fun place to be.
1: Oh, that's a good one. That's good. I love what you said. It doesn't go about uh, find what works for your family, right? And it's okay. No matter, not the whole breadwinner thing, whatever works for your family. I don't care if it's the woman that makes more than sure. a man or the man that makes more than a woman. It's going to depend on what works for you guys, right? Megan and I have a very untraditional, maybe um, business standpoint and even some of our roles in our marriage but they work for us, and we're good with them, and they work for us. And, you know, that's what matters for us. And so I encourage you, find what works for your family. Don't let anybody try to stand your way or bully you into whatever it is. You're not a teenager anymore. Peer pressure, it's still a thing, but come on. You're an adult, right? You can move past that. Um, and so I'll move into a couple of our other areas here. One is one of these killing mistakes is kids, Kiddos, How much are we going to spend on kiddos? I mean, kiddos are we going to have? When are we going to have kids? I wanted a third. You didn't want a third. How's that affect? That's your kid, right? Hey, we're going to spend, you know, I grew up having huge Christmases. Well, I grew up where I got, you know, one candy bar and a hug, right? And so how are we going to handle some of these expenses? And unless you're able to get on the same page about it, it's going to hurt every time one of these occasions come around.
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think this is probably a really easy way to blow your budget and to have emotional spending. Now, I've talked about this on on the podcast. I've been very open about this. This is definitely an area I have to really check myself because I'll do emotional spending when it comes to my kids. And so because I'm going, well, I want my kids to have the things I didn't have as if my kids are suffering. I mean, If he Bentley doesn't get that three hundred dollar Lego set, is he really going to die? Of course not.
1: He's gonna act like it sometimes. (laughs) Oh yeah, yesterday it was just yesterday, Kix was like, all this Lego set is two (laughs) hundred and seventy dollars. And I was like, Bro, use your own money. You better earn your money to to work. And he was like, Well, Christmas isn't too far away. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's see how that works out for you, bro. Let's let's see how it works out for you. Anyways, sorry.
0: No, but yeah, that's the idea is You can absolutely get caught in emotional spending when it comes to kiddos if you're not careful or you can go the opposite direction and you're going, well, now these kids don't need X, Y, or Z and your spouse is going, no, it's okay to spend money on the kids. Like it's okay for them to have non hand-me-down clothes. Yeah, I think sometimes we can get a martyr mentality too and I think it can play out with our kids and I think... At times, not always, but our kids get the brunt of our lack of emotional maturity either way. Because just giving your child everything they want is not helpful to them. That's actually not beneficial. Every time they want something, that you go buy it for them. It's not teaching them perseverance. It's not teaching them diligence. It's not teaching them hard work. It's not teaching them prolonged gratification, which is a great quality to have. So keep this in check. And also be mindful, if you know that you're an emotional spender... And you know that, well, I want my kid to have what I didn't have. If you know that's you, this is where you really need to pay attention and to start asking yourself the question, okay, why am I responding this way when Bentley says, hey, I want this $300 Millennium Falcon? Is it because I really think that he's going to die without it or because I want him to have what I didn't have? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not beneficial to him, just me giving in all the time. But then the opposite as well is, oh, well, hand-me-downs are okay. Hand-me-downs are fine. And our kids wear hand-me-downs. We have cousins and it's, it really is amazing. Same. Yeah. Right. So it's like, but having that mentality where, oh no, I can't go buy them this shirt because it's not on sale or I can't buy, you know, this because it's whatever the case may be. I think it's just kind of being aware of that, but then also going overboard on Christmases and birthdays and completely blowing your budget. Like my wife, follows some lady on Instagram and this lady goes nuts for birth, for birthdays. Like I'm talking like shocking, like legit shocking. And she has several kids and just goes, I mean, over the top. I'm like, I hope they make a ton of money because there's no telling how much this lady spends on this birthday. But anyways, it's just, it's, it's being aware of that, especially when it comes to your kids.
1: Yeah, because it's really easy. It's very easy to say, hey, well, I didn't have this experience or I didn't have this toy or I didn't have this growing up. So I want my kid to have that. And so being aware of that, having those conversations together, and if you can't hear or picked up on this, this is what we're talking about all the time, is together and being aware and making yourself a team. But I think this leads really great into our next one, which is your family of origin and how that affects how you spend money and how you deal with money in your marriage. We have people that we know that we work with that one grew up I don't want to say fabulously wealthy, but more off, more better off than the other spouse and how they view money and how they think about money is very different than how their spouses and how they view what should be done at Christmas and birthdays and how they view maybe life in general. Even Megan and I, we both grew up here in East Texas. We are born and raised within 20 miles, right, of Lufkin. I mean, we're East Texas people and even though our parents have a lot of similarities there are a lot of differences like her parents always work for themselves my parents always work for other people how my parents viewed money how her parents viewed money how they dealt with generosity and charity how they dealt with just bills and loans and all this other kind of stuff was very different and even though there's maybe not a huge socioeconomic difference there between us it really affects how we both look at money and then how we want our family to deal with money and those are some conversations we had to have a lot of especially during those first few years of okay like I know that's how you were raised, and I know that's how I was raised. How do we want our family to be? Yeah. And I think that's a conversation a lot of people skip, or they just say, "Well, this is how it is. This is what we're doing. Yeah. This is what we've always done. We've always did Easter to the max." Ryan was like, "Okay, well, well, we didn't. So what can we do as a family? What can we afford?" Yeah, just because you grew up in a ten thousand square foot house doesn't mean we can, because.
0: Our family
1: is brand new, right? right? Our family is just us. We're just getting started. And so having those conversations really about that family of origin and really how you view money in general.
0: Absolutely. I talk about family of origin a lot. I think a lot of our a lot of our pitfalls we learn from our mom and dad grandparents. And so have these conversations. I know this uh, so I said last time, but have these conversations before you're married, preferably. But if you're listening to this, chances are you're already married. So you guys are, you've become a new family unit. You've become one. Yeah. You've bec- yeah. So while you definitely do marry your in-laws, you are not your in-laws. You're not your parents. It's now the two of you and you guys are creating your own family traditions. You're creating your own ac- accept- acceptable budgets. And then also, I want to say this as well. I think it's easy for us to look at our parents, especially if your parents are successful And it's taken them 20 years, 30 years to get where they are. And you've been married five seconds. and You're like, hey, I think I'm gonna go move in the same neighborhood as my parents. or I'm gonna try to drive the same cars or they are able to go out and go get do all go do X, Y, or Z. So I think I should be able to do that. Well, you're not there yet. So start looking at where you and your spouse are, not where your mom and dad are or not where her mom and dad are. And I'll also say this. Because it is challenging if one person grows up poor and one person grows up you know, rather wealthy. There's totally different mindsets. Not that those can't be overcome. They we'll certainly can't, but there's different mindsets. And so you have to think of, where's my spouse at with this? What was influencing their decision? What was influences this behavior? Maybe they grew up wealthy and so they have a, like a level of expectation about what your financial situation is or should be. And it's, if it's not, that can be distressful. So keeping those things in mind and look and really looking at and dissecting what that's going to look like. And again, hopefully have those conversations before you get married. But if you're already married, it's not too late to have those conversations.
1: No, definitely have them. Absolutely. And I want to say, I want to pick up. There's been on my mind a lot lately. And you mentioned, you said this word a second ago was should. There's no life plan. There's no right. life plan that God's like, hey, everybody, you should be here at this age and have this net worth and you should be doing this. That doesn't work for everybody. And so if you're in that mindset of, hey, well, <clears throat> you know, my friend, his business did this, so we should do this. Or they drive this car, so right. we should drive this car. You know, at 33, they had this and we're 43 and we're not even halfway there. Okay, And bro, this is your life, your family choose to be happy and choose to be happy for others. Like we, we sold a business last year and we sold it for more than we ever thought we would was, I mean, I don't want to say a life changing event for us, but it brought a lot of transition into our life. And we've taken kind of a step back and said, right, God, like, where do you want us at now? What's our next steps? And we have some other friends who they sold around the same time and they immediately jumped into something else and are, and are growing substantially. Their net worth is just going bonkers right now. And it'd be easy to say, oh, well, like we should be doing that, right? Or that's what's there. No, like, I'm happy for them. Like, I'm happy for them and whatever they want to do in their life calling. And hey, maybe that is what they should be doing. God called us all to different roles and things. But what, there is no should. There is no generic life plan. You know, choose happiness. Choose to be your team. And if your team wants to go out and be a billionaire, hey, make the plan to go be a billionaire. But that's not what, everybody was called to be not every business was called to have a million employees not every family was called to be millionaires not every family was called to be you know whatever even the disciples you know they come from different backgrounds and networks and even had different networks whenever they passed away it's more about hey what are you what are we doing as a family what is our family what's our family goals for us you know it's really it was we want to spend time with together i even transitioned a lot of things to where i'm at home more often where i don't even have an office to to that I have to be at because I want to be home with our kids. And that works really great for us. It may not work for other couples and that's okay.
0: Yeah. That's okay. The moral of the story, don't compare your financial situation to somebody else's. And this goes both ways. This goes looking up and looking down. Yeah. I think it's, it, it can be difficult, right? When you go, Oh, well I have more money than this person. And so you end up living in misery because of, Either a your hard work or obviously not be, but also the blessing of the Lord. And so look at it from a really a healthy perspective that, okay, I've been given this responsibility. Let me steward it now well. Yeah. Instead of, you know, getting in the moly grubs because you have something somebody else doesn't have. Now that sounds odd, but there are tons of people like this where I have this and X person doesn't. So how can I? Well, now you should be involved in philanthropy. You should be involved in giving to your local assembly. You should be involved in missions globally. You should be involved in missions north in North America. But at the end of the day, if God has placed something in your life, steward it, whether it's a lot or it's a little, yep. steward it well. And Jesus told the parable of the three with the talents. The only thing he required is that they did something with it. That's it. Just go do something with it. Do something with it.
1: Be a good steward of whatever you've been given. And whether don't it's a com- little or a lot don't compare yeah, it's I, not helpful. that that story of the talents you know i think a lot of times that the guy that got but three talents i'm like man like if i was him I'd be like hey bro that guy has 10 talents now and you already you gave him the other guy's talent like yeah. hooking me up i'm in the yeah. middle and so i think a lot of times we look and say well god what's going on over here i've been faithful why is that guy right or why is this happening but yeah don't like you be on your team. You be on your team. You figure out the plan that God has for you and your family. And whether that is to be a stay-at-home mom or be a corporate executive, or whether that means to start a business or be a missionary, whatever it is, hey, there's not one that's better than the other. Yeah, they may come up with different dollar amounts. I, I, there's a second you can't take it with you. I think when we get to heaven and we get to the gates and we're judged, there's not going to say, oh, you know what? You were a terrible person, but you made a billion dollars. You're good. Bro. Welcome it. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. You're set because you made yeah. it. No. Like yep. that—that's not this, the the uh, at the end of the day, what matters. Yep. And so, what matters is you and your spouse having a great family, well, and obviously making heaven.
0: Yeah, make heaven your home.
1: Yeah. So, if you're listening to this, I'm—you probably realize we're a Christian organization yeah. here. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that should be the end goal. And so, wrapping this episode up, we're going to move into all of these kind of wrap up into what we call financial infidelity. This, this will
0: destroy your marriage.
1: Boom! Will destroy your marriage. It will quickly cause divorce. Right? It can be just as devastating as a physical affair, physical infidelity, emotional infidelity. It is this thing called financial? financial infidelity. We actually have some resources on financialinfidelity.com where you can take a little test to see if how you think about money and or your financial infidelity scale and some resources, but it's where you're basically hiding your thoughts are hiding money from your spouse. So whether yep. that's debt, whether it's credit cards, whether it is a little mad money fund, which we hear a lot of like, Oh no, that, that's my little mad money, bro. You got 75 grand in your mad money account. Like
0: that Ooh! your spouse doesn't know about, doesn't
1: know about that's there for you to go buy whatever you want to, or run away
0: with yeah so I'll call it what it is so it's not just hiding money you're lying to your spouse mm. you are intentionally being deceptive now this could be opening up credit cards and not telling them oh well but you no know, no I'm, I'm I'm not lying to them I'm just not going to let them know you are intentionally being deceptive and that is the exact same process that happens when you have a physical affair you are intentionally being deceptive and giving your giving the best of you to something else. Mm. So if you want to give the best of you to your lie, if you want to give the best of you to your hidden account, if you want to give the best of you to your hidden credit card and not tell your spouse about it, all you're doing is lying. All you're doing is being willfully deceptive. And that's why financial infi- infidelity can be just as damaging as physical infidelity because you are willfully being deceptive to your spouse and that never ends well. If you want to no. absolutely wreck your marriage, practice financial infidelity, have accounts with your name on it only your spouse doesn't know about, open credit cards that your spouse has no awareness of, You know, secretly sock away money, and watch just how fast this will destroy your marriage. Because what's going to happen is it's going to come out. Yeah. And when it does, there is going to be a whirlwind to be reaped. Yeah.
1: And if you are doing those things, right, if you are doing those things currently... One, fix it as quick as you can or have that conversation with your spouse. I think of it from a physical infidelity thing. I would much rather my spouse go and say, hey, listen, I have failed rather than me finding it. There's a vast difference in those two. Sure. There's a vast difference in in how those things come to light. But have those conversations, bring a therapist in for those conversations. Go talk to somebody and say, hey, how can I make this as as easy as possible for everyone involved so we can come out of it successfully? Yeah. But yeah, financial infidelity will wreck your marriage. Yeah. It will wreck it. And so if you have a financial ability story, we would love to hear it. We'd love to hear how you overcame it. We'd love to hear from you if you're in this and you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I get out of financial ability? Reach out to us. Reach out, right? Team at themillionairemarriage.com or get with us on social media. If you have a a story of success, we'd love to read that on air if you're okay with it. We'd love to read it on our podcast. And so if you're listening, we ask that you share this episode with a friend. Go review us wherever you're listening to us at. And we look forward to seeing you next time.